We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Air Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Audio side, video side, it is Tuesday which I believe is the last day of January. probably should have looked at a calendar before I go saying that. But anyway, as always on Tuesday, I'm joined by a good friend, podcaster, writer, just getting over, feeling under the weather for the last handful of days. Joe, you're the man. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good, which is, which is a nice change from about a week ago where I felt like absolutely dog crap. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take, I'll take getting over it as opposed to getting into it uh, as it goes. But yeah, I know we're doing, we're doing good, man. And uh, finally, you sound the, good. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I do. Uh, and I, I'm going to predict, I'm not going to have to mute my mic a lot to uh, <laughs> clear my throat, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. Like we got the hockey team back in town. So I get to get off my couch for a little bit. Well, I mean, get to get off my couch because I'm feeling good, but you know, right. <laughs> get to go, uh, get to go do some work things now, finally, the, you know, out outside of my living room. I want to, before we get into some bills talk and some Sabres talk today, I got a couple other fun segments or topics that I also want to hit on with Joe. I don't usually promote, like I, you know, I always say thanks for tuning in audio side, video side at the beginning, but pretty much mm-hmm. that's it. I do. I am going to, I'm right there on the cusp right now of getting to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So before you even get going, I I do want to ask people, even if you're listening to this on the audio side, go to YouTube and hit subscribe. Um, We're at, I'm just looking right now, I'm refreshing and we're taping this Monday afternoon. I'm at 986 subscribers. Dude, I got to get to a thousand, man. That's 14 subscribers. Now it's personal. You know what I'm saying? I'm so, I, and I also, and I've been saying this for a while too. And, and the podcast has been growing and especially on the video side, because there really was no video element to this early on. And, uh, once Mm -hmm. we do get to a thousand, I'm going to start doing some things like for an example, not all the time, but once in a while, like when Joe and I tape, or if I tape with Aaron Quinn or I have a guest on, might do it live. You know, do it on YouTube live for, for people. They want to, to watch it live and they don't want to wait for the podcast to come out the next day or they want to ask some questions, you know, have some comments and stuff. I could pull mm-hmm. some up 
and we can start having more fun with it. So I, I did promise all along I was going to do that when I got to 1,000, and I'm finally there. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this on Tuesday morning, it will be at 1,000. But anyway, that's a nice little milestone to get to for uh, this podcast. So subscribe, I, uh, man. I, I literally just did because I've been dragging my dragging my behind on a lot of this stuff. And I was like, all right, I haven't done that. So I just opened it up and subscribed. So you're 13 away as as of this <laughs> recording. So uh, helping. I was hoping you were going to be like, I'm one away. So I could be like, gotcha, buddy. And then your face is on that. YouTube. Your face is on that YouTube channel. Almost as much mine, man. <laughs> That's true. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know what's I don't know what's less fortunate for everybody. But <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I figured I might I better subscribe so I can get so I can get uh, get you back, get you up closer to that that magic thousand mark. Yeah, I appreciate everybody. But that said, I still and I've made no secret about it. I do prefer and, and by far and away more people listen to this and watch it. And I prefer mm-hmm. it stays that way. So go subscribe on YouTube, even if you don't watch it. I still prefer that you listen. I just think I'm an audio snob and I think the quality uh, of audio is a lot better than uh, the video. Anyway, before I get into a couple of Bill's topics or football topics and, and then transition into the Sabres, let me read something. I'm going to call this like the question of the week, okay? And every week I'm going to bring up something and then I want to get a take from you on this. Okay. And I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it because I'm going to read, uh, I put this on Twitter shortly before we started taping today. So I'll give you a couple minutes to think on uh, what your answer might be. But I said this, what are the worst people in the world? Tyler Dunn started the the people who don't return their shopping carts. He started that movement. And I went on a rant today about uh, people who use ice cubes in the trays and then don't refill them, but just stick it right back into the fridge anyway. I noticed that this morning because I went to get a, a, I wanted a glass of ice water and I didn't have Mm -hmm. any water in the fridge. So I just poured a cup and went to grab an ice tray and it was like, you know, what's there, 20 slots? It was like four ice cubes yeah. and 16 empty ones. I want to kill my son, by the way. Or one of my <laughs> friends, because I had some people over Saturday, so it might have been one of them. But anyway, that's like my thing. So then I asked, like, what else you got out uh, for Twitter? You know, I said, I'm going to feature a few of these on the podcast. Let me read a couple of these while you think about it for a minute. Okay. Um, Let me get here. I I, I have blind. I I can't even see some of these. Somebody told me it's time for a new refrigerator. Ain't got no time to be filling ice cubes. I'm like, all right, well, that's fair. People who park, people who back into parking spots. That's Mm. not a bad one. Think about Mm. it, man. You're driving in a park and you back into a parking spot. It takes more. It takes as much time and effort to back in when you first get there as when you do when you leave, when you back out. Right. I've never kind of understood that either. In fact, you know what? In Florida, it's actually illegal to do that. Really? Yeah, because there's no front license plates in Florida. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's cop right. Can't see, cop can't see your plate, so it's actually illegal in Florida. It should be illegal everywhere. <laughs> um, people who talk on their phones while they're at a cash register. Oh, not bad. That was, that's, mm, yeah. That was uh, that was a guy, one of the guys from Cover One. Here's another one from Cover One. Greg Voris TV, he says, anyone that litters, fire those bastards straight into the sun yeah i'm with that uh jenna our good friend jenna stockman formerly of channel seven uh people who leave leftover blinking cooking time on a microwave the clear button is right there to push Mm -hmm. when you're finished all right that's not a bad one uh let me look here a couple more people who hold up the plain boarding process to to carefully fold her coated jacket 
oh. and place it in the overhead bin. That is actually a really, really good one. Um, oh. You said that common, I, the, the name's common on Twitter. There's a lot of travel ones I could think of, like right off the top of my head, too. There like is, because here, here's another one. It's from Mark Stupa. He says, People in the row behind you on an airplane who push ahead into plane before mm-hmm. you were, without giving you a chance to stand up mm-hmm. and walk off. Um, those that rip off pizza or donuts by hand and put them back in the box. That was from uh, a guy named mm-hmm. Lewis. Uh, DJ Jarka, people who don't use turn signals. Again, that's not even a peppy. That's like literally illegal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's like half the city of Buffalo, though. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, Bill's news guy says people who are disrespectful to waiters and servers. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's see here. Two more I got here. Scott McKinnis says bathroom talkers. That's a good one. <laughs> you do get that. I don't know how it is with women. I can tell you with men sometimes. This doesn't happen a lot, but it's kind of creepy yeah. when, uh, when it does. And then the last one, a guy named Justin. This is actually kind of funny. Hamlin truthers. <laughs> People who were convinced yeah. that Demar Hamlin was dead until this uh this past Psycho. weekend. So Hamlin truthers. You got one? I mean, we covered uh, a lot there. I, 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 listen, I, you, you mentioned the travel one, and I almost blacked out because there's like there's five <laughs> different things I could mention for that. But I'm gonna steer away from it. I'm just gonna go. It, it's kind of a basic one, hmm. and it's one that just. Um, every time I, I have to like kind of bite my tongue from saying something, but you're, you're walking through a door. Like people are like in a lot, you know, you're going through a door. You have to like hold door open, right? Like pull door open or mm-hmm. do that. People who just let it slam in front of like the front of the next person in line. <laughs> yeah. That's a good what one. Do you, like, uh, every time it happens to me, I'm just like, Oh, oh excuse me. Or well, geez, I'll, I'll go fuck myself. I guess, you know, like it's one of those kinds of things where I'm just like, you yeah. know, there's somebody walking behind you. You know, there's somebody directly behind you. You're just kind of like, nah, nah, I'm just not going to bother. Like, okay, Mr. Miss Self-Important, like way to go. Ick. That is a good yeah. one. That's a that's, good one. Yeah, that's, that's one that irks me. It happens. It happens sometimes at the arena. Uh, Cause you go, we go in through the security entrance for, for press and whatever. And it's, it's everybody that's going to, yeah, if you work there, well, everybody works there if you're going through there, but um but like sometimes people are just like they're locked in and they just go through it and they don't hold the door. I'm so oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll I guess I'll open the door then. Yeah. And then, you know, it but then it's like I turn into the doorman and I just hold it open for like the next four people in line. I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm paying this forward. You guys go ahead. And then I'll you know, I'll walk through and then leave it open for the next person coming through. I'll even see somebody like way down the sidewalk. I'll be like, Nope, come on. And then they run. And I'm like, No, 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 don't run. Like take your time. You don't need to run, man. Like you're good. Like, it's fine. I'm just holding it open because I don't want to be the dick in front of me that didn't. <laughs> Those were some good ones, man. Uh, I, I liked it, especially the guy who made fun of me for still having ice trays. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not rich enough, I guess, to have the, the freezer that automatically. Uh, I, don't, I don't have one of those either. I, or, but like, I'm not using, I don't use ice that much. So I don't either. But still, today was a rare day where I wanted it, and it was not there for me, and that kind of angered me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when I was when I was living with uh, when I was living at home or or anything like that, man. Every time I'd catch that, and like my sister, growing up, my sister was never gonna fill up the ice trays ever. And I'd go, I'd open it, and there'd be like one cube, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Come on!" <laughs> I got I got one more bonus one too that I didn't mention. This is one I just thought of as well. People who are in front of you in line at a convenience store and decide mm-hmm. that it's a great time to play a bunch of lottery numbers and, and get a bunch of scratch offs mm-hmm. and they take 10 minutes, not even, they don't even know what they want until they're up at the counter 
and then they take like 10 minutes to get all their scratch-offs or, or play the, the win three or the win four numbers for that night, mm-hmm. and you get stuck behind them for 10, 15 minutes when you're trying to get out of the store. Yeah, that I mean that's that's irksome. It's I'm I get more ups, I get more upset at the people that turn it into like I want to chat up, I want to chat up the checkout person. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, you know why we're here, right? Like, you just bought like a, like a Gatorade, and you're just here to yak it away. Like you're you know you haven't had any social interaction, so you're now holding this you know the person working there hostage to but like making small talk. It's like, dude, get a move on. Let's go. Yeah, that's another good one too. All right, so like I said, we'll talk some Sabres in just a couple minutes. Yesterday, again, we're taping this Monday. So Sunday was a, it was an interesting uh, conference championship Sunday mm-hmm. for the NFL. One game never really materialized. Brock Purdy went down early, and that really sucked. Um, yeah. You know, that game might have played out a lot differently if that didn't happen. But the Chiefs-Bengals game, plenty of, uh, I wouldn't say it was a very well-played game. Like, there was a no. lot of... Mistakes, a lot of penalties. It was a messy game, but it was still very compelling and, and a lot mm-hmm. of drama. And of course, you know, um, Kansas City wins and, and they're going to the Super Bowl for a third time in five years. By the way, Pat Mahomes was five years as a starter, five years in the AFC Championship, three Super Bowls. Um, he's mm-hmm. the man. Yeah, he's the man. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I was here's what I wanted to ask you, man. And, and taking, you know, we're we're sitting here dicking around early on talking about things that, you know, that bother right. us, Tyler Dunn's shopping carts and all that other stuff. But on a serious note, you you look at that game yesterday, okay? And, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about how the Bengals acted after they beat Buffalo last week because I do got a, a couple thoughts on that. But the kid, uh, Joseph Azai, the, the linebacker, number 58, the penalty, which is going to go down as one of the worst and, quite frankly, the dumbest penalties that you'll ever mm-hmm. see. And it could not have possibly, obviously, have come at a worse time than it did. Initially, and... You know, all week long before before the Cincinnati beat the Bills, I said, and I said this many times, I said, the Bengals, if the Bills can't get to the Super Bowl, I hope the Bengals do. Mm-hmm. After the, the Bills game, I, I kind of changed my mind about that, quite frankly, because I was really annoyed at Eli Apple and just a couple, you know, yeah. the whole, they were just talking a lot of shit, the Bengals. I, I feel like yeah. they didn't want win with much dignity in class. So I got myself to a point Sunday. I said, you know, I really don't give a shit who wins this game anymore. But I was kind of leaning for the Chiefs. Anyway, in the moment when Ozai made, committed that penalty, I made a smart-ass comment. Um, I thought I was being funny. I really wasn't, wasn't funny at all. But I said something about, like, <laughs> Bills Mafia, go ahead and donate to Joseph Asai. And I said that tongue-in-cheek because the Bills always donate, like, when – the Bengals yeah. helped the Bills end their playoff drought. They donated to Andy Dalton. about those things, Pat. It was meant to be tongue-in-cheek, okay? And, and like I said, it wasn't funny. But anyway, my point was is I, at first I'm like making fun of the guy. And I'm, I can't imagine, though I can't imagine because I saw a lot of it on social right. media, what people were saying about this guy. But within a couple minutes, I was like, I genuinely feel terrible for this man. This 22-year-old mm-hmm. kid, man, he's 22 years old, Joe. Mm-hmm. And after, again, after my smartest comment, it just... I don't know. I, I felt really bad. I started thinking about this dude at just 22 years old is going to have a burden on his shoulders to carry for probably the rest of his career, maybe the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. I think back, you know, I played rec league softball and shit. And I remember booting a ball playing in the infield and it made us lose a game. And I was kind of ashamed to go to the bar afterwards and have to look at, 
my friends who were and my teammates in the in the eyes, you know, and say, oh, yeah. I fucked up. I blew the game for us. That was embarrassing enough. And, and I'm sure you know all that is too, whether it's a sports or darts oh, yeah. or something you did to blow it and lose for, you know, you and your team. That's hard to take out of friendship level on a rec league, a bear league level. Mm-hmm. Imagine being a team, Joe. It's, you know, well, the game does isn't over there. They, they didn't lose necessarily on that play alone. But mm-hmm. my point is this, man. He he blew it. Terrible call. He made it go from like a 60-yard field goal to a 40-something-yard field goal, which, of course, he like made. 45 or something, but yeah. Just imagine. Don't can you imagine how hard it must be on that kid's shoulders right now? And he stood in the locker room after the game, and a couple of his teammates supported him. One teammate in the in the heat of the moment teed off on him going in the locker room, and that got captured on video. Mm-hmm. But just just imagine, though, man, that being that kid right now, again, 22 years old, and knowing that these fans are going to turn out. A lot of them are going to hate you forever, and they are, mm-hmm. too. They're, oh, yeah. They're going to hate them. And yeah. they're not going to get over it, and they're not going to forgive him. I mean, look at Scott Norwood. All these years later, he's still, I mean, he's a lot of love in Buffalo, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. How, how, yeah. Can you imagine how this kid feels, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly not at the level that he's he's feeling. I get it. I mean, I, there, back in the day, I, there was a game that I blew by making a making a mistake. I was was I was playing first base. It was a you know, Babe Ruth League game, just, you know, just, you know, knock around community baseball or whatever. And uh, I played first base and like the game was running lo- running late at night and throw was coming. It was like going to be like the, you know, the, it was going to be the third out of the, uh, the inning and like, you know, everybody's running cause it's, you know, it's two outs. So everybody's going and the throw comes across the diamond and the throw goes right up into the lights and I couldn't see where it was coming. I was like, uh Oh, so I just got my glove out there and I'm like, if it hits the glove, just squeeze. If it hits the glove, just squeeze. It hit the glove and it hit hit like right in the heel of the mitt. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't squeeze it. And it hits the ground. Guy beats it out. You know, I grab the ball and hold it up and guy was safe. Winning run comes across the plate. I was like, oh, I was so, I was so annoyed at myself. And, you know, some of them, you know, a couple of my teammates were less than mature people and to begin with. So they sure. handled it very poorly. So I felt like a, I felt like an ass, but I, you know, Maybe don't maybe don't put your throw up high enough to put it in the light the lights across the diamond. Just throw me a laser right across. Like I can see that easy. But um, but like that sucks. It sucks to be on that end of it where you know it's on. It's kind of on you, you know. Uh, and you know, like that play. I mean, it just. I mean, I, I watched it as it happened. I'm like, you know, Mahomes runs out of bounds. I was like, well, that's dumb to let him get free. Oh, that's even worse because he's three yards out of bounds. Right, like it, the second he he puts the hand on him and pushes, him, I'm like, well, that's it. That's that's 15 yards right there. So whatever the field goal is, it's going to be a lot sh- shorter. And I, you know, not paying attention that close, I didn't realize he was that far out before. Like I thought he had already run to like the 40, and I was like, oh, well, this is going to put the ball to 25. They're good. No, he was at like midfield. I was like, hey, right, that sucks because now it's really game over unless Butker, you know, yanks it, but. Yeah, that dude's too good, but yeah, it sucks. It's it sucks bad to be in that spot because, you know, you know how. I mean, think about it. I think about it this way: it was, it was really bad on them to let Mahomes just kind of roll and run because that was what the second, second or third time he'd already done it, like late in the game. Yeah. And you know, here it is. It's crunch time. You want to get it to overtime. Make sure they don't score. And he, he just rolls out and he just takes off. And you're like. Oh. All right. Well, here he goes again, and now he's run. He's getting like you know, choose off like ten plus yards on that run. He was out at the forty-two. 
So right. Yeah. yeah so, you know, mean, so you're so you're pissed that he's running, and you're just like, whatever. You know, screw that guy. But you're already five yards out of bounds, and can't do that. Like it's you know, if it was like a running back or something, maybe it doesn't get flight. It probably still does. But like the quarterback getting pushed, yeah, it's like. I, I was surprised there was only one flag that was in the shot of, you know, uh, you know, in the immediate shot. Cause I was waiting for everything to get thrown on the field as that happens. Cause you don't do that. It's the, it's the friggin' quarterback, but you know, he's a, he's a rookie. And like, that's, it's, I, I would rather, I'd rather a, a guy get, get caught up in, in a penalty for effort. I mean, it's, it's dumb. It was a dumb like, penalty. It's, it's an effort. It's an effort dumb penalty. It's not like a lazy, you know, piece of crap thing. Like he was chasing him. He runs out of bounds and he's just like, well, whatever, you know, screw you, dude. And can't do that. But, you know, uh, I'd rather a guy try too hard than not try hard enough. This is, is I, I guess, is, is the point I want to I get get around on with that. Sure. And you, but, you know, like getting beat on a play, like you, you know, if you're a corner and you get fall for a double move and you get roasted and you lose the game on a play like that, that's one thing. But this was like mental. You got to be smart enough to not hit a guy five yards out of bounds. You got to know you're in the NFL, rookie or not, you're training. You got near the sidelines. You don't go near the quarterback. There's just right. nothing to gain. But th- this is what I'm getting at. So I remember this when, what happened with DeMar, we didn't do a show that next day because it was widely inappropriate for us to talk football. Right. We talked about it. We did a show the next week. And I remember part of our conversation was talking about kind of humanizing players a little more. And like my mm-hmm. takeaway from what happened to DeMar was at least to make an attempt. You know, I still lose my shit at times because I'm a very over-emotional football fan, especially when it comes to my teams that I have emotional investment in. Don't really have an emotional investment in the Bengals. I wanted them to lose, but whatever, you know? But anyway, it went from, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God, it's so funny. He blew the game. Talk all that shit all the week, Eli Apple. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. It went from all that to, like, seeing the guy literally in tears on the bench, on the sideline, head in mm-hmm. his hands, sobbing. And I don't just mean, like, you know, a little couple tears coming out. I mean, sobbing uncontrollably because yeah. he knew that he is the reason – that this happened and that because Kansas city probably doesn't even attempt. A, well, maybe they do attempt it, but it would have been a 59, 59 or 60 yard field goal in a very like seven or eight degree wind chill. I, mm-hmm. I they had the target line at the 32. So he was a full 10 yards beyond what their target line was supposed to be before the penalty. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just, I started thinking about that. Our conversation after what happened with DeMar and I'm like, these guys are human beings and, yep. I, and it's just the pain and the humiliation that this guy must feel and the shame. And mm-hmm. I know the city eventually, as they get over it, they'll rally around him for the most part. But you know, there's still going to be those people, man. You're a human yeah. being. You read most of these guys anyway. They read the papers. They they, they look at Twitter. Yeah. They look at Facebook. You know how it is. It's the first time this guy tweets anything. And, and they don't read it. Somebody else is going to be like, hey, man, did you sure. see what they said? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Great. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I was happy they lost, uh, but I felt really bad for, uh, for the guy as a human being. Um, I heard yeah. you talking about, um, even though you were talking about, well, you did mention it, it was football wise on, on maintenance day podcast, which mm-hmm. by the way, that is every Monday. Well, not every Monday, but it's once mm-hmm. a week, usually on Monday, yeah. depending the Sabres schedule, you know, could get a little screwy. So, so sometimes mm-hmm. you guys will tape on a different day. But anyway, my point was I was listening to your show on Monday morning with Lance and uh, you talked about the officials and uh, you're not a guy that, you know, who, who, who blames officials, but, it did seem like a, in fairness to the Bengals, 
and I'm not a conspiracy theorist either with officials. Yeah. I'm like you, and I never, and I agree with what you said on the show with Lance. Um, you know, I'm not that guy who points fingers at the officials and blames a lot of shit on them. But right. do you feel like this game was a little bit like borderline lopsided with some of these calls? I, I do. And again, I'm not even a Chiefs fan or you know any of that shit. But I was like, God damn, this team's getting a. Seems like they're getting a lot of calls and. Cincinnati didn't get away with anything and Kansas City did. Maybe it's not even so much the calls that were made. It was a lot of the ones that weren't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There, it, it, I'm of the mind with, with football that there could be a penalty on every single play could in be. the game. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody, the, the saying is always like there's holding on every play. Well, yeah, of course there is. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got one guy trying to watch the entire line, you know, one or two guys trying to watch the whole thing. And you're going to miss something like it's just going to happen. You know, guys are sneaky. They'll find ways to get around it. Like whatever. Um, so, and, and you know, this is, this is, this opens the door for me to, to kind of bust your chops about what you said about, would you rather, would you rather have home field playing when it's eight degrees or, you know, in a neutral site where it's, you know, indoors turf 35,000. That's why you play for home field because yeah. your crowd can affect everything. It, and it, it's not just the other team. You know, it affects the other team because they're going to be loud. It makes it harder to call plays, the whole thing. Hear the snap count, all that stuff. But it also affects the officiating because, let's again, they're humans, A. Sure. And, like, they, you start getting crap from them. Not everybody has that spite button in the back of their mind like I do, where it's like, oh, you're going to keep booing me? Well, guess what? Guess how, guess how much worse the calls are going to get for you. But, um, but it affects things. And, you know, it's... You know, and they're getting yelled at by both benches all game long. The, I, this, watching the Cincinnati coach late in the game where they made a lot of bad penalties. Like, they took some really dumb penalties late in that one. Like, just, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball, they were just, like, just being idiots with some of that stuff. Not as bad as, like, San Francisco was earlier in the day, but, like, just stuff you don't do in a tight game late. Like, just making idiot mistakes. And it's like, and he's screaming at the ref. He's like, you gotta be kidding me about that. About like same thing for like the push out of bounds. He's like, he's like, you gotta be he's just right up in the ref's face and watching the side judge come roaring up next to him being like, get the fuck away from me. He, yeah. You saw what happened. Right. And I, I've never seen a ref come running up like that. Being like, shut your mouth right now. Right. I mean, <laughs> you're always going to, you're always going to like politic for your, for your guys. You're always going to do it, but man, oh man, just make it so that it's more gray area instead of being like, well, yeah, no, that's a penalty. Sorry. Like that's, you know, that's the call. I, I don't know. There, there's, there's one clip that was getting around on Twitter. It was like, you know, which one, uh, Oh, who was it? Oh, it was Bill Simmons. Um, so yeah, I take him with a grain of salt anyways, but he's, he's yeah. like, which one of the holds was your favorite on this play? And I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't think there's a hold on that play because all the linemen got their hands in tight. Like they're not grabbing any, pulling them down. Like it wasn't anything like that, but all the hands are within their shoulders and they're just pushing. And these guys can't swim over. They can't get around. These guys are just manhandling these dudes and just shoving them around. They're like, I don't know, man, it doesn't look like there's any holding to me there. It just looks like these guys can't get around like these, these linemen, like, but they were getting in the backfield the entire second half. Just that one play. They couldn't. I certainly, I, I thought I thought the calls were I thought the calls were pretty questionable in that game, and I felt like some calls went to Kansas City that were really really borderline. The Frisco game, that 49ers just imploded. I mean, that's not the on the refs. That dumb was just team dumb play after dumb play after dumb play. The rough. It was twenty to seven. I remember this. It was because in the Frisco mm-hmm. game, it was twenty to seven or twenty one seven at the time. They forced a punt, and yep. the game's pretty much over at that point. But who knows? You get the ball. 
and McCaffrey bust or Debo make a big play, and that was 2014. You got the other team at home. Maybe they said get a little tight and you know, yeah, a little bit tight. But no, mm-hmm. the guy fucking literally runs into the kicker. It's a 15 yard personal foul. Philly gets the ball back, touchdown, bam, 28 7 game over. You can't complain about the call because it's a great call. Right. And now, yeah, I'm like, you can't complain about the call on Joseph Asai because it was literally the right call. Yeah. But there were some calls. And by the way, too, for people who are um, wondering what Joe was talking about on Twitter, he's 100% right. And I'll admit this I was wrong and Joe was right. What I said to him was, uh, or just to people, I, I said, if you're a player, I would, I said, would you rather have home field advantage if the temperature is like seven degrees out versus playing on a neutral field comfortably in a dome where the weather, is no factor. And I alluded to the fact that I think that I know fans would rather be at home, but I would, I said mm-hmm. that I think players would rather be on the neutral field and be in a comfortable dome as opposed to playing on their home stadium, of, you know, six, seven degree wind chill out there. Yeah. But uh, you were right. I was wrong. And I'll tell you why I say that too, is because a couple of players, I talked to a couple of players and every player that I talked to said, hell no, I'd rather play at home in front of my own crowd. <laughs> The energy that they give us is going to be outweigh the being freezing your ass off. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was completely wrong about that. You were yeah. you See? were hundred percent right. <laughs> Second, you said that I was like, dude, yeah, this is like two thing. weeks in a row. Are you saying something where it's kind of like, man, I can't wait to hold it over your head. I'm for this getting, whole. I'm getting those Nate Gary take uh, territory right now with well, some of my. You don't want to emulate him, Pat. Like that's, <laughs> I, you know, I love Nate. Get but Gary territory where people are just like, I can't wait to see what idiot prediction he yeah. makes now. Nate, Nate and I are a lot of like, man, we both come up with some <laughs> like really heat of the moment, instant, not let's think about it too much um, takes. But anyway, what, so my biggest takeaway from the game wasn't like, go Chiefs, go, or, you know, happy about that. Because again, I don't like the Chiefs. Right. I'm a little bit happy that the Bengals lost, but as I'm watching this game, and especially in the first half, oh my God, I was so pissed off. My biggest takeaway is this, man. I just got angry because I started yeah. thinking about last week's game. I'm like, all right, so the Chiefs that I'm watching pretty closely, mm-hmm. they ain't doing nothing really that special. But their defensive line is just beating the living shit out of uh, the Cincinnati makeshift line. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, Chris Jones is an animal. That dude is one of the Mm -hmm. best players in the NFL, period, especially one of the best interior players, and he was an absolute monster. But I was angry watching the Kansas City pass rush get home. I mean, Burrow got set four times Mm -hmm. in the first half. I don't even think he got sniffed four times by the Bills. I watched um, Kansas City work screen passes that were very Mm -hmm. successful, that running back Pacheco was running the ball well. He was taking screen passes. They were throwing to a backup tight end on screen passes. Watching the rookies for Kansas City, make key contributions. They had two rookie corners who had an interception. McDuffie, mm-hmm. a third, who was actually their first-round pick. He didn't have an interception, but he had some uh, passes defended. They had a rookie defensive yep. end have a sack. Um, that Sky Moore, the rookie, had a big, big punt return near yep. the end of the game. Their rookies are making heavy contributions, whereas the Bills are hesitant to play their rookies unless they absolutely have to. You know, it right. took injuries and stuff for security to even get on the field. And then... You looked at the playoff game last week. James Cook, who I thought could have been a good weapon against the Bengals. Zero targets in the passing game. Zero. You know? So I was just watching this game getting fucking pissed off, quite frankly, as a Bills fan. Because I'm like, this is just making me angry. This is the way you were supposed to play this team. And they didn't. So I just got mad. The, uh, you didn't mention the one thing that I thought would have been the the lead thing for you. Now, you mentioned them getting in the backfield, sacking Burrow, and and doing that. The coverage. They pressed their receivers. At the line, 
the entire game. The the entire game, like just one on one matchups for the most part. I mean, the safeties drop back, and you know the the nickelback and the and the the safeties played more zone ish coverage. But they pressed they pressed Chase, they pressed Higgins, they pressed all these guys at the line to make them you know fight through it, get through, and that bought time for the line to to. It get did. through, to get through, and, and it, it worked. It did. You're it right, hundred percent. Right. They adjusted, like they adjusted, like they, I think they they showed a stat. It was like the second half. I think it was like the first. Uh, what was it? The uh, the first eight something or other. Like they had four sacks, and then like the the first eight plays they had four sacks, and then the next sixteen they didn't get in the backfield at all. I was like, well, they they made the adjustments good, but they still played that way the whole game. Like they, they, they pressed up on coverage the whole time you give. And anytime they gave them any sort of, they backed off. Those guys are open underneath and they're making plays like well, get, no kidding. Of course they are. Cause one of those guys is going to get open and they did. And that's how they found them. And it was, I'm watching this going like, look how easy this is. This is like, I mean, football is a hard game to coach. It's a hard game to strategize. It's, it's difficult, but I'm watching this and going like, this is basic shit. Like Kansas City watched that game and like we're not we're not gonna play back. Forget that, man. Screw that. We're gonna play up on them. It worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, 
key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden from Maintenance Day Podcast and also Noted Hockey, and I was happy for the first half of this podcast, and I am no longer happy. <laughs> you brought that up. You're 100% right before the break. You're talking about the Chiefs playing a lot more press coverage. And look, the Bengals made a couple plays. Oh, Take yeah. your head off to them. You know, T. Higgins made a great catch. Jamar Chase, they made great plays. Incredible catch by Higgins. Holy Incredible crap. catches. But, you know, I agree. Kansas City played to win that game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they played to win. They punted a couple times, but yep. all in all, you know, they were smart punts, though. I felt like they were playing that game to win, and especially on defense. Yeah. They said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us, but we're going to be aggressive. We're going to get after you, and that's exactly what they did. They had a lot of success. It, it really it bothers me even more now than it did last week after the Bills game in the aftermath and the hours have passed. I'm more mad now watching another game since then on how the Bills played them. I really yeah. am because, yeah, they didn't play. And then when they do play, I remember one play, the Bills brought like seven guys out of rush, but then they had guys playing in his own coverage. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what the hell are you doing here, man? What, All the what are we doing are just everybody just stopping yeah. and being like, okay, I'll catch it here. <laughs> and then I think about the offense. I mean, these guys, the Bengals were pressured. They only sat Josh Allen once, but they pressured him a lot. Mm-hmm. Why are you not even attempting to, I mean, it's, I, I know the answer is because Ken Dorsey has zero creativity and imagination with his offense in his first year as coordinator. Mm-hmm. But where are the screen passes? Why is James Cook not involved? Why are you not hitting Dawson Knox with short screens? Or like backup tight ends, like Quinn and Morris, whatever. There, there's lots of plays like that available. And it's just like the Bills didn't even explore any of that. My biggest takeaway besides being angry is that I also look at two really good teams, man. These are really yeah. two evenly matched teams since in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's a dirt wheel right now. That's my other takeaway. I like the Bills. Look, let's not be too down on the Bills. I get it how bad right. they play. They're still a 13-win team. They ain't no chumps. You right. know what I mean? The Bills are a very good team. But right now, they're the third best team in the AFC. And I don't think there's any debate in that right now, team-wise. And then I've seen a lot of national media tweeting, Joe. It's like uh, the Chiefs and the Bengals, they really hate each other, and they sure do. I mean, there's a lot of shit talking. Two years in a row. After the game, too. Like, two years in a row, a lot of shit talking. The Bengals talked their shit before the game. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs talked their shit after the game. Yep. These teams hate each other. But it was like I saw, I think it was Albert Breer tweeted, and we got our new Manny versus Brady. I was hearing that a year ago about Josh and Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I was Burrow and Mahomes. And I'm thinking, because I've heard this lately, like the Bills got left at the altar pretty quickly. And as far as Josh Allen, it's like, is he the new Phil Rivers in this equation? And I'm not talking <laughs> about his playing style right. or ability because Josh is a great quarterback. But you know what I mean? It was Manning and Brady competing for championships. Yep. And Phillip Rivers putting up good numbers and not competing for championships. Yeah. I, it's that The whole thing is like you got to get to the to the big game. And I don't mean like the Super Bowl. I just mean you got to get to the one that like everything's on the line. Like you got like that's you can make other rivalries through the playoffs like that. I mean, that Kansas City Buffalo is obviously a thing. Cincinnati Buffalo is going to be a thing too. But you got to win sure. those games. Like it can't be a hammer versus nail rivalry is the thing. You know that's not a rivalry. That's just one team taking a whooping. And you know Buffalo getting beat by Kansas City. You know what two different times was it? 
Is it twice? Who about the yeah, Kansas City? Yeah, two in a row to Kansas City and then the Cincinnati this year. Like, yep. That's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear you're number three. And you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be number three, but they are. And I think that's where a lot of the introspection has to happen for, for Buffalo. And I'll say this for everybody that was getting on uh, Dorsey's case for running all like these, these long pass routes on fourth and one and fourth and short plays fourth you know, fourth and three, whatever the touchdown Kelsey scores last night, it was a fourth and one play and just Kelsey just runs to the end zone. He's just there open yeah. like fourth and one. Like it's, you know, they're on their, they're on the, you know, the other side of the, the 50. So it's, you know, it's the right call, but I'm just laughing because like it's a fourth and one play and they threw it through it kind of, you know, 20 yards downfield. Like, that's just kind of chuckling about it. Cause it's, you know, that's everything that, that Buffalo was getting busted on the week before that they did and they couldn't figure it out. I think it's going to be a very, um, a very ugly off season for bills fans who and embed themselves into social media. Mm-hmm. You know, people who just are fans and watch the games and don't really mess around with social media that much. You know, they, they'll talk to their buddies at the water cooler or the bar or whatever. But for fans who are on Twitter daily or Facebook groups daily, it's just going to get uglier and uglier and uglier. You watch two teams that are on a level right now above the bills mm-hmm. and you know, and we've been hearing it for years, but, you know, Brandon Bean has been very aggressive in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you just, you're not, I'm telling you now, you're, there ain't no Vaughn Miller, bro. You're not seeing it this year. They are not going to be aggressive because they can't. I'm almost knocking my microphone over. <laughs> they can't be aggressive. You know, they, yeah. they're up against the cap. I think the cap came out today or shortly before Saturday, but it's like 224 million or something like that. Yeah, Bill's got to, yeah. yeah, they, they got it. They got a lot of work to do. And they, Tremaine Emmons, I, I do believe that they're going to do everything they can to bring him back. In fact, if they really want him back, they're just going to franchise tag him if they have to. But they're not going to be able to, you're going to, well, here's what I'm getting at. I don't want to be too long-winded with this. You're going to see a lot more of the same next year. And you just got to hope that they can play better when it matters. I think that's what Brandon Bean's counting on. I think he's counting on the Bills playing better and not being a certain, in fairness, it is a big, a legit excuse. Right. I mean, you look at the defensive line, Daquan Jones was really good this year mm-hmm. and Vaughn Miller is Vaughn Miller. I mean, you put those two guys plus that Oliver allegedly anyway was still not healthy. I had a pretty uh, extensive conversation last week with Aaron Quinn on him about him on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, I was very, very low on on Ed Oliver. Two and a half sacks this year. I'm tired of hearing about other stats that don't matter. He's he's supposed to be a penetrating defensive tackle because after the quarterback is the ninth overall pick. It's guaranteed ten point seven million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. Give me more than two and a half sacks, man. Yeah, simple as that. But anyway. Just one player. I'm saying there's a lot. These guys are going to, they're banking on the Bills just being better and maybe some of the younger guys stepping up. You're not going to see, they're not getting rid of coaches. Well, yeah. unless you count a safety coach, which I don't know what's going on with that. But Leslie Frazier's, I'd be shocked. I, I say this now, watch tomorrow. Like, Come on, Leslie Frazier's busy leaving his duties or whatever. I'd be stunned. Ken Dorsey's not going anywhere. And no. I'd be stunned if Leslie Frazier does. I just think it's going to be an ugly offseason. Uh, for, for, for Bill's Twitter, I, a lot of feisty fans right now are very frustrated. So it's going to be ugly, dude. I would, I, if I were, if, if I were a Bill's fan, I'd be setting timers on my phone to, to you know, like I'm allowed this much time online, then get offline and just don't pay yeah. attention the rest of the day. Come back to it tomorrow. Be like, all right, I got my half hour. Let's let's check out everything and see what's up. So you don't 
drive yourself nuts trying to figure all this stuff out. Cause, uh, cause I, I saw the cap number come out cause I had to see how, how much space Detroit has. Uh, they have a lot, <laughs> they have a lot, they have a lot of cap space. Uh, and I saw Detroit or, uh, I saw Buffalo has negative uh, 20 million in cap space. They're 20 million. Yeah. Like, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, the, the cap's fake. The, it doesn't exist. It's a, it's not a real thing. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of right. Like you can, you can, you know, rejigger some of the contracts and, and, you know, get money back in some spots, but 20 million is a lot of money to make up for. And you have sure not Edmonds, you, you know, Poyer. I mean, I mean, you're basically already, it, it, I think it's already ri- almost written in stone that Poyer has gone. Like he's going to go somewhere else, but they get he, him and Rachel Bush, uh, they, they, they didn't just, they, they rented a house since he's been playing here. They didn't just leave the house. They took their stuff. They're, they're gone. Their material possessions. No. And went back so it's home. a little, it's a little nicer to live in Florida, I guess, but you know, the, the, yeah, no, I'm talking about, but he's always had a home in Buffalo as yeah. well, which oh. furnished and now is not furnished anymore. Oh. Well, so that I, I think the writing's a, definitely on the majority. <laughs> I'd love to have him back. I just don't think the bills could afford him. Yeah. I don't think they're, they can, or they're willing that. to pay him what he will get somewhere else. And, you know, like, and I get what Bean says. He's like, you know, we're not gonna make a big splash. You know, Von Miller was our big splash for that, you know, this past season and this season, like, yeah, because it has to be because you paid him a, a bucket load of money. Like that's, and you knew, like, you know, like that's the thing. You can't be like, oh, we're caught off guard by the salary cap. No, you knew what it was going to be. Even Bean was like, yeah, we think it's going to be about 240. That's what it is. And he knew, he knew, he knew it's coming. He knew it was, everything was happening. And he knew, like, that's, that's why to me, like, if, if I were a Bills fan, I'd just be so mad that they didn't do more to take advantage of, of Allen's, you know, this window with Allen, because Allen's window is as long as he plays, you know, as far as, you know, being able to be a winner. It's way easier when he's not being paid $45 million a year against the cap. It's way easier when he's making, you know, the, you know, whatever the rookie contract total was like seven, eight, nine, whatever it was like, it's, it's like I said, they're playing on hard mode now when it comes to managing the team and, and the cap and all that stuff, because because now you got a guy making up what one fifth of your cap, you know, that's and your, your quarter, it's the most important player on the team. So that, that's fine. But you got to find ways to make it work everywhere else in the lineup. Cause if you don't, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be looking at off seasons like this for the next few years. I think there's two keys for the bills going forward right now that, that absolutely positively have to happen. Number one, Brandon Bean has to do a better job of drafting in the first three rounds. Yes. Going forward over the next two or three years. And I'm not talking about the obvious Josh Allen or Tremaine Evans. Of course, those were great picks. I'm talking about the second and third round guys mm-hmm. who, for the most part, have not amounted to much at all. Um, that's That's got to change over the next couple of years because this is an organization that's going to be more reliant on than ever when it comes to the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, Brandon Bean came here in 2018, and it took a year of getting out of cap hell because that's kind of what they were at. And they're now virgin of going back into cap hell so they're gonna have to rely on a lot of rookie picks and then the other thing is this you can rely on the defense being healthier and just playing better you can rely on Shakir getting better maybe I don't know what the hell I don't even know what to say about Gabe Davis we're not we'll save that for another conversation but the one thing this team has got to find a way to do somehow with the resources that they do have they've got to make improvements on the offensive line you have to protect Josh Allen better because you could put out that line for the next five years, ain't going to be any better. These five guys playing as it is, I just don't see it. Brandon being gushed about Spencer Brown during his last uh, season-ending presser, saying that he was hurt, and this is a big reason why he didn't have an off-season program, and yada, yada, yada. 
not saying he's really wrong about that right. stuff per se, but I don't see it with Spencer Brown. They need a better right tackle. And and obviously Roger Saffold, by the way, but they need a pro bowl. Pro bowl. Come on. Kidding me? Come on with this pro bowl bullshit. <laughs> They got, Remember they last improved. year when everybody was so mad about the Pro Bowl? Like, why isn't Hyde and Poyer going? There's like, who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody cares, especially when Rodgers. I'll never put any stock into a Pro Bowl. Watch them laying guys to let you know, letting Allen get run over against Cincinnati. Like, come on. Yeah, any stock I ever put in that is gone when Roger <laughs> Saffold making it. But anyway, they got they got to find a way to improve this offensive line. They have to, or you're going to see a lot more of the same results. And Josh is going to take way too many hits. It's just. It's as simple as that. One last fun fact, by the way, the Bills. Fun fact. Thomas Bills fun fact. Wow, look out. Well, well, it's not fun. I lied because there's nothing fun about it. But anyway, getting back to the fans too, Joe, I, I think partially because the, the, the bar was so high this year that that's why fans are so angry. You know, the Sabres who are fun now, they suck for years. But it's like, all right, so we're going to talk shit on Twitter about how bad they suck. Yeah. We do this every year. We're used to this. The Bills are supposed to be a different story. But next year, you look at that schedule. At Kansas City, at Cincinnati, and at Philly. Those are all three road games next year. Those teams not ain't gonna great. suck in one year either. Not great. No, not great. And if, again, like who knows how some teams will be going forward. But I, I'm telling you right now, I'm confidently can tell you that Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Philly are all gonna be good yep. next year. And those are three road games for the Bills. So man, that window was really open wide right now. How, and how we... Still there, but. Why haven't the Hamlin conspiracy people worked on the uh, the the Bills schedule conspiracy yet? Like, why isn't that coming? Out? <laughs> why are they playing all these teams in the road? It's fixed. Why they hate the Bills? Even though there's a whole methodology as to how they do. This. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City will be coming here after. Why are they, the why are they going on the road for these kids? Bring them here. They're, they're scared. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's um, they better they find they got a lot of work ahead of them. Let's just put it that way. They better be a. They better be better than they were this year. They, they, you might not be worrying about a 13-3 and three second seed winning the division and having two going playoff games again uh, next year. But anyway, all right, so switching gears there. You said on this show last week, going the Sabres were about to hit the road for four games mm-hmm. that if they could go, and I remember it very well, um, you said if the Sabres could go 2-1-1, one, and one, that it would be a great showing. Mm-hmm. They ended up going 3-0-1 oh, and, <laughs> and got seven out of uh, – Eight points, or as you wrote on your uh, noted hockey yeah. uh, Substack post, seven out of eight is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I saw in your post a, a fun fact: the last time the Sabers were in the playoffs, you were in your first full year at uh, NBC Sports, yeah. which was, was like uh, twelve years ago. But yeah. I don't know. Just kind of talk about this team a little bit and and this road trip that they just um, successfully came back from. And uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it shocking that they went three on one, but. No, it's no, it's not shocking. It's it's surprise. It's I think it's more of a happy surprise. We've seen what they've played like all season. We know that what they're capable of. Um, it, it's just that that was such a tough string of four games. You know, like Dallas is you know Dallas is the top team in the Central Division. Like they look awesome this season. Um, St. Louis got you know Vlad Tarasenko back for that game, and it was like, oh, okay, well that's a huge scoring guy. Uh, he, he obviously, he loves playing, well, he loves playing in Buffalo. I don't know if he loves playing against Buffalo, but, um, but he, you know, like that's another, you know, it's another team that can be tough. Like they're kind of going through it right now. O'Reilly's hurt all that stuff, but you know, it's still the blues. They still won the Stanley cup a couple years ago. Like, you don't know what they're, you, 
they, they could be that team on a given night, but they haven't really been that team this season. Uh, and then it's Winnipeg, who's right there with Dallas. Great goaltending. You know, they score, they can score a bunch of goals. And then Minnesota's another top team in the West. They, they kind of went through it for a little bit before, but they've gotten their, they've gotten their stuff back a little bit now. So those were, that was a road trip where if they got knocked around a bit, you'd be like, hmm, okay, they took their lumps. I get it. But man, oh man, like that was a, that was like a, a, a half hang on for dear life. And then Hulk up in overtime with the power, you know, power gets his first goal of the season at OT. And then you're like, Oh, well, okay. Well, that's a surprise you know, check that one off. That's a bonus win. Cause you're figuring, okay, maybe get to overtime. You know, if you lose, you kind of expect it, uh, but they win it. And then power scores and you're like, Oh, all right. Well that, that breaks the dam for him. And then that was cool. Then he scores against St. Louis. And then you're like, he scores the first goal against the blues. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. You know, they run out to a four nothing lead in that one. It's, you know, it's, it's a, you know, second game of back of a back to back started to run out of gas late in that game. And then it's, you know, it gets a little hairy towards the end, but they hold on. They, you know, they win it five, three with the empty netter. Great. The Winnipeg game, like that's a three, two score in the scoreline. That should have been like a five, nothing game period, you know? And, and there was, there's a couple of things that happened there. I think Lance and I talked about it a little bit on the pod, but you did uh, about how, you know, Thompson Skinner and Tuck were getting a little too cute, you know, passing the, passing the puck a bunch, not shooting the puck. And, you know, it almost came to bite him in the ass. Cause it was three, one jets have the net empty and Skinner skating in on an empty net, empty net. And like a guy on his, on his, you know, on his hip trying to stop him from scoring it. And he passes off to Thompson and Thompson's got a guy draped all over him and they don't score. And then Winnipeg comes down and scores and makes it three and two. And you're like, yeah, all right. Like you just made this a lot harder than it needed to be. Uh, but then, you know, Don kind of switches things up a little bit against Minnesota. And the second he switched it up, Sabres snapped out of it and they look great for the rest of that game. Flurry played awesome. The way that game went here in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, there was no way Flurry was not going to be on top of his game. Like he was, he was, he was so mad at himself for for how that game went down, how they lost. You know, gave up a terrible goal to Darlene that tied the game, losing in overtime because uh, I think there was a power play. I think it was a power play. I don't know. I don't remember. But either way, Olsen rips one past him, like you know, game over. But um, but there was no way he was not going to show up and try to win that one himself, and he almost did. Play, Flurry played an awesome game. They, Sabres almost got goalied in that one, and he still almost pulled it off, which is – that to me tells me a lot about the team because that was a game where it's the 15th game in 28 days, you know, more, wow. more than a game yeah. every other day. Uh, it's, it's the last game of a road trip where teams can often get caught looking ahead to going home. Uh, and you know, you're, you're beat up, you're, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a week long road trip, you know, guys are, you know, guys are banged up all season, but like, you know, you're just kind of getting through it and then they still almost pull that game off. And so that, that speaks, that speaks volumes to me about what this, what the makeup of this team is, is that they, they just go and they just go after it. They go get it. And, you know, they've had some stinkers this season, but you know, Don gets them right back, gets them refocused really fast. And, um, I don't know. Like we're, we're talking what 30, 30 some games to go 30 plus games to go right in the, they're right in the race, man. Like I, I know we joke about being in the hunt, but like they're right there. They are right there. And every team that they're battling with has some kind of fatal flaw. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, one of 
we spend so much time, whether it's you and I, whether it's you and Lance, whether it's Sabres fans on Twitter, we spend so much time talking about the main culprits for the success this season. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's Tage Thompson and that's Rasmus Dahlin and Tuck and, and Skinner and, you know, Dylan Cousins. One guy that you and Lance spent a, a good chunk of time talking about on Maintenance Day, the podcast that, that dropped um, on Monday, was Casey Middlestat. And mm-hmm. it's funny because... Well, it's not funny, but, you know, the guy struggled early on and he was every, it seems like every team, and I'm sure it's like this with other cities too, but every team to some extent has one or two whipping boys where, you know, everything is blamed on them. Sometimes the guy deserves it. Sometimes they don't. It it feels like Casey Middlestat is kind of that guy for the Sabres. You know, Sabres are playing like shit. Let's blame that line. Let's blame Casey Middlestat (laughs) specifically. You know what I'm saying. Yep. But anyway, you know, the Sabres have stuck with him and, and you guys talked about that. And it would have been easy to to scratch the guy, to mm-hmm. to cut down his minutes dramatically, to let him be in that rotation of guys who were, you know, taking a seat in the press box for the game. But they didn't. Um, they stuck with him. And he's got, and I think you mentioned this on the podcast, and he's already got like a career high, 28 points, which mm-hmm. is the most he's ever had so far. And there's still 30, like 34 games left yeah. to go, man. So, uh, Talk for a couple of minutes about Casey Middlestad and how he just seems to have uh, turned the corner for this team right now. Yeah, I, it's fascinating with Casey because I I appreciate him quite a bit. He's he, this this dude works his ass off like all the time, and it's a lot of stuff that you, you know, and it, and even still, it's a lot of stuff that we're not privy to, you know, because we get to watch practices, we don't see what they do off ice and and you know what they're doing, you know, how they handle things away from the rink. Uh, but we hear about it from the coaches and you know teammates, and they tell us about what what they do and how they handle things. And Middlestat, man, I, I pull for him because I know there's a really good player there, and we've seen it at you know in in passing times, you know this season and in previous years, we've seen a guy where it's like, whoa, okay, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of skill there. Let's see if let's see if he can you know get this all put together and and kind of run with it and see what happens. And last year, I think was supposed to be that year. And then, you know, he gets a, I think it was, I think it was detailed. I forget it was listed as an upper or lower body injury. I think it was, you know, uh, there was some talk that it might've been like a sports hernia type thing. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, but like those things take time to deal with. And then, you know, he tried to hurry back cause he knows, you know, he's a guy that understands like, Hey man, I gotta, I gotta show what I can do here. You know, this is, you know, time's, time's starting to get, get short for me. I gotta, I gotta get out there and prove what I can do. And he got himself hurt again by hurrying up. So, you know, again, it's a mistake by effort, you know, to do that. And, you know, by the time he got back in the lineup, it was, uh, you know, the team had gotten on a pretty good roll and like he was kind of lost in the mix this year, though. It's, you know, the, the, the kid line supersedes that line, you know, out of the blue and everybody's like, oh, new hotness, cousins, Quinn, Paterka, we love them. They're, they're the new thing. Ah, Olsen, Middlestack, ah, get these bums out of here. They stink. And, right. You know, now, now Olsen's got over 20 goals. Middle stats set a, you know, got a, every point he gets is a new career high for, for scoring mm-hmm. and they're playing better is the important part. Like it's not just, they're racking up cheap points. Uh, they're playing better and, and middle stat is certainly playing better. And it's, you know, it's equal parts of him playing, you know, wing and center. Like he's not playing center all the time. I, you, know, you put Tyson Jost with those two guys, and that's it's really what's kind of unlocked them because Jost does all the the you know the uh, the dirty work as the center, and these guys can you know handle the offensive 
pick up on it. Uh, but but Middlestack gets counted on for faceoffs in key moments. You know, he's one of the better faceoff guys, and they don't really have anybody who can win them. So Casey's pretty good at it. So he gets those calls. And then, you know, he's play he plays power play time. He gets, you know, he's gets these calls for offensive situations and he's pretty good contributor. He's a good passer. He's got a really good shot. He just doesn't shoot it enough, as far as I'm concerned. But um, but again, like when he's you're paired up with Olsen, you'd rather have him shoot. So, you know, I get it. But he's playing he's playing better. You know, the, even the, some of the fancy stats have turned around for him, which is, you know, kind of it's kind of the tipping point where it's like, well, if he's getting the points and the fancy stats aren't there for him, that's like, mm, it's kind of fake. It's not anymore. Like those it's it's working for them. And Don gets those matchups right, uh, especially at home. Like he gets those matchups absolutely perfect for them at home, but played pretty well on the road, too. So I, I'm 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 pulling for him. I want to see him do better you know, all the time. Cause he's just, he's just a nice guy. It's not yeah, nice. People are easy to root for in case he's a nice guy. So, uh, but like, you know, it, it, it's hard to see people get critical on guys that you like, but if it's earned, then it's kind of like, oh, man, you got to pull yourself out of it. You know, you can't argue with it and be like, Oh, you can't say that about him. He's nice. It's like, mm, I don't think he plays like shit. Then it's, then it's, it's too bad. But, uh, but he's not now. And that's, I think that's the the biggest thing is that, He's playing well, and that means they've got, on a normal time, they've got four lines that are playing pretty well, and that's, boy, oh, boy. I take it all. I take it all. Give me a break, guys. But when you're rolling four lines that are all playing pretty well, man, like that's, that's, the, that's the best situation you can have as a coach because then you can put anybody out and you feel good about it. I'm really glad that you took the time, too, to explain that sometimes a player can pile of points, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're playing better. Mm -hmm. You know, like I go back to the bills for a second here and then Miami game. I, I think Ed Oliver and I've said this, and maybe this is a little bit of an overreaction, but I think Ed Oliver was garbage in the playoffs. But you look at, if you only look at the box score Ed Oliver had a sack against Miami, Never mind the fact that he literally went on block and it was a gift sack. Sometimes in hockey, if you don't watch any of the games, you don't pay attention. You can look like this guy, you know, pick up a cheap secondary assist or, you know, a lucky goal or whatever. And you're like, oh, this guy's got, you know, 28 points. He's got the points. That's what it matters. Right. But there's a difference between playing better and it doesn't always equate to necessarily the points. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, Timo Mayer, I got the name right, correct? Timo Meyer. Meyer, Meyer. Meyer, Mayer. You know, hey, let's listen. I, I've heard a lot of talk about him. Um, kid from San Jose. I heard Lance talking on the show today, like about what kind of packages, you know, would, uh, mm-hmm. Potentially. And Lance also reported that, you know, even per sources that the Sabres at this point have just, it's been more due diligence and, you know, mm-hmm. aggressively trying to make a trade for him right now. But anyway, Lance is up and along the lines on the show of uh, what it would take to get him. And he mentioned like Olafson and then like the combination of maybe like two first round picks, like maybe like mm-hmm. a, a Matthew Savoy and then like maybe a first um, next year. I know for a fact that there's a lot of Sabres fans who don't really follow the rest of the league much, mm-hmm. including the guy who's talking to you on his <laughs> microphone right now. So I'm going to be honest with you as well. I'm not going to, you know, I'm talking like, oh, for fans who don't know, because Pat Moran don't know either. Tell me and tell people watching and tell people listening a little bit of, about the kid. Now, I, I think we have an idea now from reading, like, what do we right. get him and the money and stuff like that? Like, what would he, what would a kid like this bring to uh a team like the Sabres. Well, uh, Meyer is an incredible player. He's it, it's easy to get lost in San Jose because you know they don't get a lot of attention. They're it's a bad team this year, 
He's got 48 points right now with 28 goals. I mean, he's having a great contract year, but he's the, the key difference here is that he's not unrestricted after the season. He's restricted. So any team that acquires him still keeps his rights. They just had, you know, they just got to get a You got to get a contract done with him after that or else, you know, you know, stuff goes sideways, but um, he's an, he's a fantastic player. He's 26. Uh, and his, his, he's really coming into his own now. Like he scored 35 last year. Uh, his, his second season in the league, he scored 30, you know, numbers go up and down, but you know, San Jose has been you know, kind of crappy and you know, that's, that's just how it goes. But he's outstanding. He is, he is, he, he clicks a lot of the boxes for stuff that this organization looks for now. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just taking a look now just to keep myself reminded. Uh, like when it comes to the possession numbers, his possession numbers are really good. Like he's, uh, you know, 55 and a half percent Corsi, Corsi four. I know it's shot attempts for like when he's on the ice, the team gets 55 and a half percent of the, the shot attempts when he's out there, which is really freaking good. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he drives a lot of that cause he shoots a bunch, uh, which <laughs> guy plays that well. Yeah. You want him to shoot. Um, and he shoots a ton, but he produces and he gets a lot of, he gets a lot done and he makes the guys around him better, which is a, pretty important thing to do. You don't want to be a, you know, a guy puts up big numbers and you don't help out your line mates either. Uh, We've seen guys like that here in Buffalo in the past, and it's not the one you're thinking of. It's not the center guy. It's a different guy. I won't say who though. Uh, You you can, you can figure that out for yourself, but it's, but there are guys that are like that where, you know, they can produce a ton, but it's not, you know, it's, you know, everybody else is feeding him. And if he doesn't score, that's like, well, all right, well, you know, feast or famine. Uh, Meyer's not a feast or famine guy. He's, he is, he is offense. He produces, he control, he controls the puck. He plays, you know, a a ton of minutes. Any other team outside of this team, he would be a first line. He's a first line winger Uh, here. Probably not because you're kind of set with your first line because it's Skinner. It's sure. Thompson, it's tuck. Uh, right. And Meyer, I think he's right wing. I want to say he's right wing. Yeah. He's right wing, but he shoots lefty. So it's like, he's like Olsen. Um, just in that respect, he's different, different skill sets there. But, uh, but Myers, geez, man, I, I think, you know, just in the fantasy hockey type of sense, I think of putting him next to cousins and, you know, you got to, kind of, you know, finesse that a little bit just because you got the kids and everything. But, um, but him next to cousins, I'm just like, Oh boy, that's, and those two playing together for like the next X number of years. I'm just like, Oh man, that would be awfully good. Be, it'd be really good. And the Sabres can afford, he's looking for 9 million a year after this, which, you know, if that's the starting point for the negotiations, okay. But if that's the end point for the negotiations, then it's a little bit, you kind of, have to worry a little bit down the road. It's not next year. It's not the year after that. It's three years down the road where you're paying Darlene monster money. You're paying power. You're probably going to lock, try to lock power up for eight years, however much money. Cause you just, sure. you just want to get that done. Cousins is going to get paid. I think next year, I think, I think he's doing to get paid next year. He's going to ask for a lot. Maybe, maybe he asked for the Thompson contract, which at this rate, sure. Yeah. 7 million a year. Perfect. Because you're getting a bargain on Thompson. So, uh, but if Thompson sets the artificial bar for everybody, then it's like, mm-hmm, that doesn't work. That doesn't feel so bad for the forwards anyways. Uh, right. But on defense, I mean, you're talking Darlene, geez, man. Uh, I know people are like, Oh, 9 million a year. I'm like up, up, up. It's, he's going to be a North of 10 guy. I'm pretty sure. Uh, 
Um, if I had to guess right now, he's, he's 10, 11. He, I mean, Crosby, I mean, not Crosby, McDavid makes 12, but he, McDavid could ask for 20 million a year and they should have given it to him, but he wanted to do right by the team. So whatever I do right by the team. And then they don't do anything to help them out by putting people around them. That's great. Good work guys. But, um, but I mean, but Darlene's going to cost a ton of money. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's going to be a Norris finalist this year. I would bet. And I would bet anything he'll be a Norris finalist this year because he's putting up the points. He's playing great um, and getting a lot of attention for, for what he's doing. Like he's, he's a dyna, he's, he's dynamite this year. Um, so he's going to get paid. <laughs> There's no doubt there, but it's a lot of money committed down the road. And like Skinner's Skinner's contract goes for like what, four more years after this still like four, you know, three, four more years after this, like that's 9 million a year. But, um, but with Meyer, like, you know, he's 26. And if you're locking him up for seven years after the seven, eight years after that, 9 million per, like you're, you're kind of doing it. You're tugging your collar while you do it, but I think you'd feel okay about doing it, but what you have to give up to get him. I don't know that. I mean, we haven't seen Kevin Adams. I mean, apart from the Eichel trade, but that was, you know, that was more gun to his head. You have to make this trade Uh, something like this, where it's more deadline focused and you're kind of, you're, you're monkeying around with what your plan is for the future with a trade like that, because you have, you got all the guys that you have now. And like, you know, not everybody's going to be part of the team in the future. That's just, that's just the business, but you have to decide, okay, which guys do we see are going to project out to this spot? And it's hard to do because you're, you're basing it off of what they're doing in juniors or or minor leagues or whatever. And you have to figure out, okay, are these guys that we want to move forward with, or do we go with what the known quantity guy in Meyer? Because Meyer, you know what you're getting at the NHL level. The, the prospect guys, you don't really know. They could be anything. They could be even better than Timo Meyer. You don't know that, but they could maybe not pan out. Maybe it's, it's the whole fun of like dealing with prospects because that's what the bulk of that deal is going to be. Like you're going to give up a, a key roster player, which I mean, Olsen's the one that would make sense because it's a similar type of production. It's a forward. He's got one more year on his contract after this. So if they want to let him go, they can do that. If they want to keep him, they can do that too. Um, but um, yeah, but like, you know, which of the young guys do you give up? to make that happen. And I, I think that's something where I don't know that they're comfortable with answering that question just yet, because there's still, you know, like you look at the guys in Rochester, like Kulik looks like he might be a monster. Like when he gets to the NHL, whatever, when it's time for him to get there, it's not going to be, it's not going to be right away. It's not going to be this year. Might not even be next year. We'll see. But like he's, his game's coming around. He looks great. Um, but then you got the guys that you, you, you don't see up close yet. You know, the, the Olivier Nadeau's, the, the Josh Blooms, the uh, Matthew Savoy's like guys like that, that are playing in junior hockey that are, you know, they're not, they're not under your roof yet. So you don't know what they're going to be yet. And that's, that's, that's where the mystery comes into play. And that's where I think that's where I, that, that's the biggest part of this that I think they just don't want to mess around with it too much because that's cost control with those guys with Meyer, you're adding them and you know, you're spending a lot of money immediately. When it saw with the Sabres now, they play Wednesday night at home against Carolina. And then after that, man, they're uh they're off for a full 10 days. And then when they come back from those full 10 days off, they uh pick up on February between February eleventh and February twenty eighth, nine games in eighteen days. Yeah. I think I'm looking at Aaron in the calendar. That's a lot. Yeah. Nine and eighteen. 
And uh, don't look at it. March. So that would end. Yeah, so <laughs> March, looks, bad, March looks even worse. I'll tell you that. Right. Well, yeah, sure. But the point is, sorry. So you got nine and 18 games. So nine games in February plus Wednesday's game at home. Mm-hmm. So 10 games in February, I guess what I'm saying the end of the month, the, the NHL trade deadline is March 3rd. Yep. This is going to be for the first time in probably a handful of years, at least, uh, an exciting month of, of hockey. This is an exciting, this is kind of the theme of this podcast. I put on the graphic and everything. An exciting stretch for the Sabres coming up here, man. And this feels like it's going to be, uh, you know, they're set up well for an exciting stretch run. And um, they come out of this okay. And then, I mean, then you're really, I mean, right now we're like, all right, this team's in position for a playoff race. Mm-hmm. They come out of this February looking pretty good. Then it's like, all right, now we can really, not only can we dig in, and hope for the best, but now you might see Kevin Adams become, and I can't believe I'm saying this, a, a trade deadline buyer, not a seller, yeah. a buyer. I mean, they might look for a piece or two. Isn't it? I mean, I'm not wrong to say that. By the way, um, news: Tage Thompson is day to day. Yes, you were at Brad. You mm-hmm. were covering Brad's today. Upper body injury. Cousins and Samuelson didn't bright, but I guess they're going to be good to go for Wednesday. I guess that's what you guys heard in the locker Yeah, room. yeah. Cousins and Samuelson um, practiced on Monday. Thompson did not, but Thompson was there. Uh, they, I, I know it's designated injury. He's just banged up. Like it's playing a ton of minutes. Play it safe with him Wednesday. Oh yeah. You see him playing safe. He probably I, take a seat. Take a seat. Wednesday. Renato said that uh, Thompson's probably going to practice on Tuesday. He said he would bet anything that he practices Tuesday, which. Listen, you have you finally have time. <laughs> you finally have time where you can like relax with some guys. Yeah, you mm. can you can keep a couple of guys off the ice and not worry about them. like it's, <laughs> it's, you have you have a moment to breathe at last, and you're just kind of like, all right, just take another day. It's fine. Like you can probably right, sure. you'll skate Monday, you know, Wednesday morning before the game, you'll be fine. So, Still always a little bit nerve wracking, yeah. you know, because again, oh, yeah. Tate has become kind of like the the Buffalo Sabres version of a Josh Allen, a bit, in a way, yeah. you know. So um, but anyway, like I said, just. With 18, uh, 18 days, nine games over that span, you're really going to get a good idea if the Sabres are going to be in the thick of it. This is uh, this really is an exciting time for, yeah. for Sabres fans. You don't get to say that often mm-hmm. once the, the calendar turns for a new year, you know? Yeah, it's it's been a few years since they're in a spot where it's like, are they buying? They might be buying. Like, this this is a thing. And and to me, to me they are going to buy. And it's not – it probably won't be some big splash kind of move, but it'll be something to help – deepen things out a little bit or maybe strengthen an area of that they might see as a weakness. I think maybe third pair defense they might see as like could use a little bit of a boost. Um, but we'll see, you know, maybe I, I, I can't imagine they're going to add another forward, but unless something, some kind of offer comes across the way where it's like, Oh, Hey, this might really change, you know, change the dynamic with us. Like maybe we got to think about this, but um but something along those lines, I'd say if anything, if they add anything, it's going to be a depth, depth type defenseman. Um, but like, I mean, you're not going to get wowed by the names, but they'll add. I think they'll add. They'll, they'll cert, I think they're certainly going to add somebody. Uh, I just wonder how. I just wonder how how big because they can make a big move. They have all the they have all the parts that they can make a big move if they sure. want to. Like they have all the they have the prospects, they have the picks, they got all that stuff. They can do it if they want to, and they got plenty of cap space, so it doesn't matter. Um, so if they want to, if they want to go big fishing, they can. But I don't. I just don't. I don't see them doing that or really needing necessarily to do it. I think the thing to keep in mind with a lot of this is that you're going for the playoffs with a team that's still learning to grow together. 
you know, and you know, it's not to say that you're just going to hang on to your cards and just say like, well, we're going to go with this group and, and see what happens. Like, I think, I think Adams realizes you owe it to the, you owe it to everybody on this team to say like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do to get us to the postseason. Yeah. One, one last, um, not, not even a question. This is more of a statement for me. The difference, and let's just pre- pretend that the Sabres made the playoffs. Okay. And okay. I'm wishful thinking, but I'm going to pretend, God damn it. <laughs> the Bills, it's different. The Bills, I didn't enjoy the playoffs because the Bills came with an expectation that we're going to the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I stress and anxiety. I'm talking about the Miami game and then ultimately the Cincinnati game. It, 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 I was tight. You know, I didn't really get to enjoy it the way I wish I could have because mm-hmm. I was concerned and worried. Right. If the Sabres make the playoffs, dude, they could go get swept and lose 7 nothing every game. And I'm still going to be happy as shit that the Sabres made the playoffs. I know the, the, the corner is turned. Kind of how it felt like with the Bills in 2017. The drought ended. I was so happy to be in the playoffs. Now they should have beat Jacksonville yeah. in that game. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Jacksonville sucked. <laughs> they were bad. But anyway, my point was I was just so goddamn happy that I was able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The Sabres make the playoffs. I don't care who they play. I don't care if they get swept or what the scores are, if they're lopsided. It would just be so fun that I would enjoy the living shit out of it, mm-hmm. no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that would be. That would the be party cool, in the man. plaza for that first game. Oh. That game the, it'll be a game three because they're not going to have home ice. Right. Game three, that first day oh. party in the plaza. Holy Jesus, man. Like they're, they might have to block off a few streets to make sure yeah. they got enough people to do it. It's probably better that the Buffalo News moved out to Larkinville because they're going to they're gonna need the park a lot by that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. So here's how I want to end this podcast. And I think we're going to start doing this going forward. So on Facebook, there's this Facebook group that I follow. It's called Best Salad Recipes. And they have food stuff, okay. you know, like not just salad, salad right? recipes, okay. but they also have some cool, like life questions and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? It'd be pretty fun to like take three questions a week and just ask Joe for uh, what his opinion is, what okay. he prefers with these. And you know, it's also an opportunity. And I said this, I do this with Aaron a little bit different, but sort of the same where it's about giving fans, you know, people who listen and watch this show, just an opportunity, you know, a little bit more about you besides just what you think about hockey or football, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I got three questions for you. And by the way, I have not told that Joe's just there. No, I, I have myself. no idea what you're throwing at me. Yeah, he has absolutely no idea. And again, these aren't like, you know, life, the biggest thought provoking questions ever. Okay. They're kind of like just little fun fact questions, I guess. So uh, let's start here. Question one, something you don't eat at all. And I'll add to that by saying something you don't eat at all that is otherwise pretty popular with most people. If you asked me this like 10 years ago, the list would have been pretty extensive. I, I was a, was a huge picky eater. Uh, I'm less, I'm a bit less picky now. I'm still kind of figuring out my own palate, which is weird to say at 40, 40 years old. But the um, uh, thing I don't eat at all, though, is pickles. Cannot stand, pickles? cannot stand pickles. Same. The smell of them drives me nuts. Like everything about a pickle should be good. Like cucumbers are good. I mean, they don't taste like anything, but they're, but they're good. Uh, the, the mix that you, you know, the, the pickling mix, you know, the, the, the whole thing that you put together to make pickles is a, all that stuff sounds amazing. It's like, wow, that sounds great. You mix the two together. I could not, you could chase me out of a room with them. I can, I can't deal. With I don't like them either. <laughs> it's, I know it's like, a, it's a thing. It was like, Oh, grow up. It's like, I'm trying. Okay. Like I'm trying, but like, I just, I can't get down with it. I can't wait to tell my wife that, uh, you use that as an answer because she'll laugh because literally like when we go out somewhere and I'll get like a, a hamburger and fries or a beef on whack and fries, whatever, mm-hmm. 
I specifically ask for no pickle. Because not only do I not like the pickle, I don't like the pickle juice. Yeah. That trickles down That's the, the plate and gets into my fries. It's in your French fries. Bread and my yeah. burger. Ugh. I don't like that. Uh, anyway, I could have easily have said pickles as well. For me, it's, which is again, very, it's taboo in Buffalo, blue cheese, I, but also ranch either. Yeah. I don't like blue cheese or ranch. I get my wings. I, I have sauce and that's it. I don't mm-hmm. even use any of them. I don't know. I, well, technically, I guess that's something you eat. Yeah. It, I, blue cheese. Yeah. Dipping, dipping wings in any, I just, I no, no, thanks. I, I just, give me the sauce. The wing tastes good on its own. If it doesn't taste good on its own, if it needs the blue cheese or ranch, get out of my face. It's not a good wing. Yet. Right. It's a bad wing. All right. Second question here. What do you make for dinner when you have zero energy and nothing planned? Yeah. Which I feel like for a hockey guy like you is probably quite often, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> nothing planned and zero energy. Uh, it's, it's usually some kind of pasta thing. Honestly, it's so easy to just boil some water, throw some pasta on mix, you know, open up a jar of sauce and let it heat up and do that. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, now that I got, I got an air fryer about a year ago, I think it was about a year ago now. Um, uh, so like making, you know, not having to like fire up a frying pan on the stove to like cook up a chicken or something like that is so much. Yeah. Nope. Set it, forget it, walk away and then pull out a nicely cooked chicken from that. And I'm good. Like it's even still, that's almost too much effort, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's just like, I've got like protein pasta up in the, up in the cabinet. So, uh, so it's not, I mean, it's carb, it's a carb bomb, but like I still get some kind of protein out of it. Uh, cause you gotta, you still have to have some kind of balance with that. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's usually the easiest thing to do. If I'm ultra lazy, like a can of soup, like just some like Wegmans, like Italian wedding soup. Yeah. Good. Like three minutes later, I've got, I've got a quote unquote meal. <laughs> Mine is um. I even should even say dinner because I sometimes I have it for lunch or sometimes I have it eleven thirty at night. I like to take Salen's hot dogs and put them in my. I have an air fryer oven. Mm-hmm. Put four hundred degrees, ten minutes, and ten minutes later you have a Salen's hot dog that tastes maybe eighty five to ninety percent as good as you make it on a grill. I mean, it's really actually good. Mm-hmm. Simple, easy, lazy. Don't have any energy. I just throw two hot dogs in there. I'm not a really good cook anyway. <laughs> I'm, you know. I'll try to dabble around and cook some for real every now and then, mm-hmm. but yeah, more times than not, just uh air fryer hot dogs yeah. um, for me. All right. Last question here for Joe. When I was 15 and we're different ages here, so this might be a little different for us, but when I was 15, my favorite band was. I'm just doing math now in my head. 15. <laughs> I was uh, say it's probably get our age. It's not easy to remember. Being yeah. 15 no, 15, 15 was, I was, ni- it was 1994. Uh, I'm thinking 15. I was like, what? That was sophomore in high school. So, and then sophomore, sophomore, junior high school, something like that. Um, what was I listening to a lot then? I think I still, I don't, I might've had a disc man. I, I think I had a disc man by that point. Um, it was a favorite band though, oh, man. Tough. Yeah, it is. Tough. You, I, I, you, were I, 15, I, you were 15 during a really, really a strong, extremely year. good time to be. Uh, I was not um, 15. During that. I think at, the, I think at that age, I want to, I think it's Pearl Jam. I think Pearl Jam's the, is, is the one. There was a healthy mix of Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails, uh, thrown. I think Nine Inch Nails was that. I think that was that year, but um, yeah, those two bands. And then, you know, I was still kind of feeling my way through some of the rush music. Cause I, you know, I've been an old, old music fan for a long time. Sure. Um, so I think that would be, 
yeah, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, uh, Rush, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, that that my my favorite bands haven't really changed very much, very much since. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Mine not that much either. So I go back to being 15 years old, and I go probably a full era before you. So I've we're talking like like mid to late 80s, mm-hmm. 86, 87 ish. Okay. So. This was well before the great bands like Nirvana and, mm-hmm. and Pearl Jam and stuff like that. And I was a very cheesy pop music mainstream fan. And I still am, by the way. Um, so I, I like I could have I, I was thinking about Ariel Speedwagon. I was thinking about Huey Lewis in the News, who I love Huey Lewis in the News. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I settled on Hall and Oates. It was probably my favorite yeah. my when I was like 15 years old. I still love their music, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um play it all the time, but yeah, for me, it would be Hall and Oates. By the way, too, I love when people, kids, like when you were 15 years old, or even let's just say more than 15, let's go around 20. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself listening to music that was like, quote unquote, for your time? Because there's nothing more I love than when I see, like I, I work with this kid, he's like 20, 21 years old, mm-hmm. and he's constantly listening to music from like the 50s and 60s and shit. And that's like 40 years before his ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like when you were a young kid, did you, did you appreciate, did you like music that was way older than you? Or were you kind of one of those in the moment music guys? I was raised, my father made my ass listen to fifties and oldies. So I knew every oldie song because I had no freaking choice. <laughs> like, uh, did you like oldies? Like, how, you know, like, what, like, old to you? What, what age are we talking? Like, are we talking like younger than 10? Well, I mean, if you're, well, no, I'm saying like, say between the years of 15 and 20. So for you, that would be like the mid to late nineties. You know yeah. what I mean? you like, did you like seventies or sixties or fifties yeah. music or maybe oh, yeah. 80s music? I, yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I was, I'll tell you this eighth grade was when I started listening to rush. I had gotten like, uh, I got moving pictures like as a cassette through like some like, you know, book form type, you know, those scholastic book form for whatever reason, like they held on to the stuff that like sold music until like our, our eighth grade year. I was like, wait, we can get music now. Cool. <laughs> what did, what did I get? I was like, I'll get moving pictures by rush and friends. Were like, what the hell are you doing? Like get, get something that's like new. And I, I was like, no, I want this. Uh, but yeah, I was listening to rush Zeppelin, like Zeppelin's, I mean, geez, Zeppelin's timeless as far as I'm concerned, but sure. Um, I listened to a ton of them. Um, yeah, yeah, Ru- yeah, Rush, Zeppelin. I'm trying to think. Uh, Hendrix. Jesus, I'm a huge Hendrix nut. I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a huge Hendrix nut. I forget that I'm a Hendrix nut. Then I look through all of my music and I was like, oh my god, I bought like every everything that the, like the Hendrix family releases now. I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. It's like, yeah, I, know, yeah. I have 500 versions of high, you know of, of uh, Voodoo Child, but like it's fine. I'll get this other one. Um, but yeah, like them, uh, like old blues artists too, like. Um, a gateway into blues music was that was a was this terrible like Simpsons sing the blues thing that they did back in the day when the Simpsons were like brand new like in 1990 like 11 years old listening to this thing it was just like you know the, the Simpsons cast like singing old blues sure. songs uh, but like that kind of opened the world of blues music up to me so I started you know reading up on it I was like wow okay check that out and then get your mind blown at like 12, 13 years old by like old blues musicians. And you're just like, Whoa, okay, this is wild like that. And jazz music too. I got really into jazz when I was young and, uh, you know, got really much more into miles Davis when I was like in college years, miles Davis and, uh, John Coltrane and them. So it was the the tastes were kind of all over the place. Although I'll, I'll say this though, when I was like four or five years old, uh, you know, MTV was like just starting up or whatever, you know, around then. Uh, 
And every time the uh, Talking Heads video for burning down the house came on, I would go nuts. <laughs> and like five-year-old yeah. going nuts to Talking Heads sounds like, I look back on it and I go, wow, what a weirdo I was. But I was like, no, I had really good taste <laughs> as a five-year-old in music. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that video too. I remember it well. Oh, you know what? One other thing too. Then I'm going to let you go, man. This is fun. I don't really give a oh, shit yeah. about the time right now. We don't talk. We rarely talk. We're both pretty much lifelong wrestling fans. Yeah. We've kind of come and gone. You know, we have our moments where we're deep, deep in it. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of step back and we only follow it, you know, sparingly here and there. But so I watched the World Rumble on Saturday. I had some friends over. And the Rumble, for the most part, was like, whatever, you know, it kind of went as expected. It was all right. It was yeah. nothing really worth talking about on a podcast here. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. You kind of call this a hot take, I guess, if you want to or whatever. The ending angle with the bloodline and Sami Zayn, this story as a whole might be the best wrestling story I've ever seen in my life. It is certainly without question one of the best I've seen in years. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a storyline that has been better for this that's lasted for quite a while now mm -hmm. and we've been waiting for a payoff and it delivered. A lot of times you get a lot of promise and then just it kind of goes away and it never really lives up to what you hoped it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I watched that shit with a couple of people in my house and a couple of people are just, you know how some casual fans are who just watch the big shows. Right. Some people don't even like watching wrestling. They just like to rumble. Quite frankly, we had a pool going, we were gambling on the numbers <laughs> and stuff like that. But anyway, they don't get, so if you're not invested in the story and you don't haven't been following it, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. What happened at the end of the show, but to see, Sami Zayn hit Roman Reigns with that chair and then the beating he took afterwards. Mm -hmm. And as an added layer, um, Jey Uso, the way he reacted yep. and was like in tears and walked out. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of my goddamn seat, Joe. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. This is incredible, incredible storytelling. Yep. Better than any TV show that I've watched in a long time. Am I being a little... Am I over-exaggerating a little bit? Am no. I overselling this? Because I think it's fucking incredible, no, man. No, with wrestling, I mean, it's wrestling storylines can get so stupid and convoluted and change at the change at the drop of a hat. Yeah. This one's felt like that the, they've they've had a proper timeline set up for this for a long time, and mm -hmm. they they're letting it play out. You know, obviously, you know, you, you get different people involved. Like Sami Zayn had his weird weird shit going on there for a ways conspiracy theorists. And I think, I think after, uh, I think after January 6th, it's kind of like, let's not do that angle anymore. And just cut that out. Let's just not have that be the thing. But, uh, it just started out played off of that. Like they played off yeah. of that to, you know, to bring him in, you know, make him one of the ooses and, and doing that stuff. And, you know, Sammy, Sammy's a tremendous performer. He's so good. And like he's gotten saddled with some real bullshit stuff over the last few years. That conspiracy, the, Jack, thing, the know, jackass, the jackass guys at WrestleMania, right? It's so stupid. But like you know, he gets he's had to like he's the definition of the good soldier because he's he's great in the ring, he's great on the mic, he's great, he's great at everything he does. And then he just gets he gets these dog shit things to do because he's the one who can do it the best. And it's like, well, maybe just don't do them in the first place. Like just let it go. But like this. This was the perfect thing to have him in. And then to play, you know, to use his, you know, the relationship, the friendship he's got with Kevin Owens, because those guys, those guys go back a long way, long, yes. long way. And to use that as part of this, because, you know, that match gets made, it's Owens and Reigns, and you're like, well, there's no way Owens is winning. There's no show. Right. And, it, and it's in the back of your head, like, oh, maybe Sammy turns, and then, you know, that, you know, that changes it. Maybe Owens wins the title. It's like, dude, 
Reigns has had the belt for like what four year, four years now, three four years. They're not Reigns. they're not just gonna have him dumping at Royal Rumble. If he's gonna lose it, it's gonna be at Mania. Which now that's the setup for Reigns and San, like the big split. Now you know the key is WWE even never wants a full payoff. They want to continue it on. But for me, WrestleMania has to either be the starting point for a big story or the end point. And for something like this, this has to be the end point because this has been going on for so long and it took them so long to get people to cool off on Reigns because Reigns, everybody hated him forever because it was very obvious they were trying to push him to be the champ. And it was just kind of like, people were just like, knock it off with this stuff because you had other people around that were really good and you're just kind of like, what are you screwing around with this guy for? Like, you know, and they essentially let a bunch of guys from the Shield just go off and do their own stuff. You know, Rollins goes off and does his thing. You know, Dean Ambrose, uh, you know, John Moxley takes off. Like, you know, these guys just do their own thing now and you know he's like the last one that was hanging on to that but they kept dicking around with him and just making it so that the fans hated him even before he even had a title because they were just sick of him getting pushed all the time but then he got the belt and it's like well now he's not taking we're not taking it off him because we've worked so long to do this but now they've made it into a really great storyline and it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating it's got me i listen i don't watch wwe very much at all because it you know, I, I watch the rumble cause I love the rumble. Um, it's like, that's, that's like popcorn for me. I love that stuff. Um, but when I saw it was, you know, the two rumbles, the men's and women's, and then like three matches, I was like, Ooh, okay. They've done this right. They didn't try to cram like five, five other matches and have it drag out to like one in the morning. Um, but like two title matches that weirdo friggin' Bray Wyatt thing. I don't understand what the hell that was about, but, um, but like, the title match, I was like, I wonder how they're going to do what they're going to do with this. Cause, and then, you know, you, you know, Reigns wins, he gets Owens, you know, handcuffed to the ropes and you're just kind of like, he's going to beat his ass again. It's like, he's done this with everybody that he beats. He just, you know, tries to make an example of him. You're just like, ah, here we go again. it was very much like a, here we go again with this crap thing. But it was vicious. Whoa, it was, oh, it was brutal. They super kicked him like 25 times. Dude, the Usos, man. Roman gets a lot of credit for how he's ran with this because he, he deserves he's, it. He's free. Even when people hated him, I was like, this dude's really good. It's just, they saddled him with these dog crap things to do. He's, a gr- he's, he's a great tremendous. Guy. And like, he's got the, he's got the whole bad guy image and everything. He's great. It's perfect. Um, but when you added the Sammy part to this, it was kind of like, Ooh, either Sammy sells his, sells himself out and just, you know, goes and starts popping Owens. And then it's kind of like, mm, great. Cause then it would have been like, I thought that, that would have been like, that would have been like the, like the old NWO stuff back in the day where it was like, Oh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe macho man's going to turn on him and like, Oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to do the right thing. And then he, you know, ends up kicking somebody, he ends up like beating Stings ass. And then it's like, he throws an NW shirt on you. Like, right. Great, cool. It could have kept it going. It could have been right, the same man. old, same old, but like they didn't do it. Which is nice. It's not a swerve, but it, it kind of is. It's kind of a swerve. I love. I love great storytelling. I love the bloodline being bad. And yeah. I'll tell you, man, I'm not gonna like. Sometimes I'll sit there because they became cool. Like I'll sit there, Joe, and I'll do this. I'll put my hands <laughs> up in the air and, and, and give the one symbol. I do that shit all the time. I do it at work. I fuck around with people. But yeah, Roman Reigns deserves a lot of credit for being such a a, a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Sammy, the, the, the problem is, is that now, so they have a pay-per-view coming up in three weeks in Montreal, of all places, where Sammy's from, and my, so, um, so, so, yeah. so 
Yeah, he's going to, but it's like you can't rush this story. You can't have Roman Reigns cheat and beat him in three weeks and then no. turn your attention to Cody Rhodes no. because it's going to be unfair to Cody because the crowd wants Sammy. Mm-hmm. So now Cody Rhodes is in the bad position of where he's, they, they're going to boo him because they don't want that, man. It's time to They got him set to be a true baby face. Like, that's, that's the part be, Cody's in. Like, to, to, to your point, though, and we're going to get out of here, but to your point, I I'm so invested in this storyline. I don't care that much about rostering wrestling anymore. I really don't. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll read the results on cage cage side. I'll do, I'll read the recaps, the rumors every day. I'll tune in here and there a little bit for raw Friday nights. I work. So I don't really ever watch SmackDown. I'll see a couple of highlights, but I am actually, we're taping this Monday late afternoon. Now I can't wait to watch wrestling tonight. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to see what comes of, if anything comes of this, uh, angle that they got going on it's yeah. just that uh it's that compelling but anyway it was, it was a little, i like talking a little wrestling here on this it's, podcast it's, cool, it's cool to have something fun to talk about instead of like you know dumb crap dry, like you know the whole thing with like vince coming back now it's just like, oh. like, how, like how soon does this turn into like a like a fart contest with roman reigns and Danny's <laughs> and, uh, vince is like, i love that stuff <laughs> all right guys that's gonna do it for this episode uh, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Check out Main Day podcast every well, not every Monday, but every week when Lance Lozowski. Follow it on your favorite podcast feed. It comes up and you'll know when it's out there. And of course, make sure you check out notedhockey.substack.com. Support Joe. Five bucks a month, man. 50 bucks per year. Dude is just crushing it. Covering the Sabres this year, covering hockey this year. And it's a lot of fun, of course, when you're writing about a team that is, uh, you know, playing well, man. So anyway, make sure you guys do that. And you know what? We're still on the air here. I'm going to do a, a little refresh here. I want to know how many uh, subscriptions I am away from 1,000. If I'm not at 1,000 right now, I'm going to be mad. It's at, oh, it's, no, 9.98. I'm too away. Oh, when I wake up in the morning and this podcast drops, it better be at 1,000. But anyway, thanks for doing this, Joe. As always, man, good talking to you. Yeah, it's a good time. Always fun. It's, listen, and we got to talk wrestling this week. That's crazy. <laughs>